Funny Books with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne. Well, good morning, guys. We are recording on a Sunday because we had a very large reading assignment this week. Yes, we did. And I made it larger. Um, oh, yeah, you did, Paul. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about, uh, you know, I would think of this episode as the prelude to DC's upcoming death metal event, which will be coming out the week you are listening to this, if you're listening to this in release week. Um, so the guys and I reread uh, the Dark Knight's Metal event from 2017, the precursor to, to this upcoming event. And, uh, you know, we're going to kind of fill you in on it, it kind of like the world as it existed in DC leading up to, de- to, to metal and what's happened since, um, just to kind of get you ready for death metal. Uh, you know, this is we, we we've talked a long time about revisiting prior like crossover events and things like that, and I think this one was just kind of the perfect storm with that new event coming out, and you know, a a reduced amount of uh, readworthy comics coming out. True, I did pick yeah. up some stuff. I will say, I did buy Justice League. I bought Joker. I bought Adventure Man. I just haven't read some of those yet. Yeah, I I, uh, I I picked up you know Adventure Man and the new Legion of Superheroes book and and a couple of others, uh, but the, uh, the 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 slogging through metal, yeah, uh, uh, you know I mean because I, I I don't mean to disparage the book outright. It's just it's a lot, and yeah, you know, we'll is. talk about that in review. But I mean you know six issues and they're rather uh, they're rather dense. Yeah. So uh, but yeah we'll we'll get to that in just a second. But Paul, yes sir. I think there's some news. Yeah, there's a couple things. Um, so uh, there's actually one thing that's not on the outline, which I'm going to talk about briefly, which is DC released their September solicitations. And, you know, they're continuing their countdown to Batman issue 100, which if you're not reading Batman by James Tynion IV, and I know I'm the only one, it's actually getting really good. Um, so let me stop you there for a second. Yeah. So Batman number 100 was originally going to be written by Tom King, right? Yeah, he originally had this 100-issue run in mind, and then they dropped him to do his thing separately because, you know, the people just weren't digging um, his kind of abstract way of writing on Batman, and they brought in James Tynion. So my point is, the plan for issue 100 has changed. Correct, but it, the okay. new plan is uh, the Joker War. Um, so right now we're building up the to the long-promised Joker War. Joker War. Correct. Yeah, okay. um, you know, which is we've already introduced uh, painkiller, I think is the no punchline. I, um, I don't care for her, by the way. <laughs> I, I don't care for the design. I mean, yeah, I, I haven't she, read she, she's books, in, you know, so I'm kind of, I, I, I'm kind of off Batman at the mm-hmm. moment. Uh, I, I keep seeing the design and I'm like, just not impressed. Yeah. Um, I will say if you are if there's a sale coming up or, you know, if, if uh, leading up to the Joker War or whatever, I would actually recommend getting caught up on. James Tynion's Batman. It had a very bad first issue um, with Deathstroke. And, uh, you know, we just, none of us cared for it. And then I just happened to get caught up on a sale and it has gotten really good. Um, you know, they've introduced the the designer, the grand designer, I think, or something like that is the, the villain. And, you know, they, they've interjected a lot of villains and you've got punchline, you've got this build up to Joker war. Uh, there's a lot of good things going on and I like where it's going and I'm excited about where it's going. So, uh, it's well, sad to me out. that I am such a huge Joker fan, and I just don't care about Joker War. And the Three Jokers has been so long that I don't really care about it either. 
you know, Which, I feel like the end product. It's yes. painful for me because I love Joker. It's frustrating because of the delays, but at the same time, like in the end, if the product is good, I, you know, in two years from now, if Three Jokers is as good as hoped, the delay won't really be something we talk about. Yeah, I, you know, the question is is whether the, the book will be of of such substantial quality that it's evergreen. And if it's yeah. evergreen, the delays don't matter. Yeah. If it's not evergreen, it's going to die on the vine. Agreed. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, and, and so in se- September solicitations, uh, you know, Batman originally debuted in Detective Comics issue 27. Uh, and so in uh, September, we will have Detective Comics issue 1027, celebrating the thousands, the thou- thousandth issue of Batman <laughs> in the title. It is going to be a 144 page anthology. Um, and they will have uh, creative teams like Greg Rucka and Eduardo Riso, Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham, Tom King and Walt Simonson, James Tinian IV and Riley Rosmo, Dan Jurgens, Marv Wolfman with Emanuela Lupacino and Bill Sienkiewicz, Brian Michael Bendis and David Marquez, Scott Snyder and Ivan Rice, Mariko Tamaki with Dan Mora, Kelly Sue DeConnick with John Romita Jr. and Klaus Jansen, and Matt Ugh. Fraction with Chip Zdarsky. Huh. So, I, you know, I... My problem is, is that I think I find these jam books, you know, where they've got everybody and their dog, you know, writing and drawing these things. I find these things to be wildly uneven. Agreed. Agreed. You know, know, I I, I will say I there's one I didn't pick up that came out last week. Oh, the Catwoman. I didn't pick up, but I did pick up the Joker one and I was I enjoyed it. It is very much what you expect from a Joker story. Like Uh a couple of them have Joker in the background. A couple of them, you know, have Joker as the main star. Um, but you know, I thought they were, some of them really delve into the creepiness of it very well. Some of them are really more, um, comedic, but I enjoyed the book. Um, but to your point, very uneven. I would say about 75% are really good. About 25% are utter garbage. And what makes me sad is my least favorite story in the book is by Pete Tomasi. Um, really? Yeah, but it's just really, I don't know if it's him or if it's the art by Simone Bianchi, um, who I've never been a fan of, uh, but I just did not care for that story at all. You know, it just really reminds me of some of the worst short story anthologies where you don't have a strong editor who's willing to say, this can't be in my book. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I think that, I think that's what these really need is that it should only be excellent stories. You know, if you're going to make it a big event book, you're certainly going to put a big price tag on it. Make sure that the quality is there. Not just there's there's some really you know great stories here, and that's going to lift up everything else. I think you you push out those things that are crap. And so many of the so many. I mean, I'm looking on my bookshelf right now. I've got the 80th anniversary of Action Comics. I've got the 80th anniversary of Batman, and you know. Both of those things have some really terrific stories in them, and mm-hmm. other things have just some just shit. Yeah, I, I remember mean, just Detective crap. Comics twenty seven. Actually, you know they they had that 80th anniversary edition of that book, and yeah, and they there were some great stories. There was the future Batman story uh, yeah. that we all enjoyed, but then there were some that was just utter garbage. And it is, I think, some of them are some of them are t- works that were produced specifically for a book, and some of it's catalog short stories. Right. Um, yeah. It feels like instead of looking at the stories themselves, they look at the creators. Yeah. And it's like this creator has a history, so we want to make sure that they're in there, and it doesn't matter what they submit. Well, I, say, right. that, I will say that's one thing that I enjoy about these 80th anniversary books, um, which is that they do tend to hire or you know bring on some 
all the living people who are still who who have iconic runs on the character um, that they've brought in. You know, so Batman. You know, they brought in Frank Miller for a pinup or a cover or something like that. You know, Catwoman had Jim Ballant, who was my Catwoman artist back in the '90s. Like they 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 tend to bring in as many people as they can uh, to contribute. You know, it's they they don't just pull in the the new shiny. Right, you know they'll they'll, right. they'll reach back in the Joker story, um, the Joker book that came out this week, uh, you know, rest in peace. They had a Denny O'Neill story, um, with uh-huh. art by um, Juan Garcia Lopez. Uh huh. Um, you know, and it's 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 not the best story, but it's fun. You know, it's a fun story. Um, Are we talking about Jose Garcia Lopez? Jose Garcia Lopez. Yes, there sorry, right, Jose Garcia Lopez. Is, I, is, is, is there another Garcia Lopez no, out no. there? You're right, Jose, Jose Garcia Lopez. Um, you know whose art I've always enjoyed. It's I oh my like. god, his art's beautiful. Yeah, so he I, does some amazing Superman stuff. Yeah, so you know I, they're not just pulling in like just the Scott Snyder's, just the Bendis's. Right. You know they're they're pulling in you know these legendary authors. Um, so I you know I enjoy that, and I get bringing in the legendaries. But I just wish that, and I know that you know I'm, I'm I'm a guy who has frequently railed at the inclusion of reprints in my new books. But I would really rather have an archival story that's off the charts in quality um, versus bringing in something from an an artist or a writer who's seen their better days you know what i'm saying or just who wasn't able to deliver i mean like i am not interested in anything frank miller draws these days agreed do not give me a frank miller drawn story not interested uh but you know you give me something out of batman year one or uh you know dark knight returns i mean that that's some that's some good stuff yeah you know what i feel um what was interesting and I haven't seen it really done since, is a few, more than a few years back, there was a, a celebration of Detective Comics 27. Um, maybe it was a 75th anniversary book or something like that. And it had modern talent retelling the story of the of Detective 27. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the case oh, of yeah. the chemical that. syndicate or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, like it, Brian Hitch did one of them. Like it, it was just like, it was the same yeah, story, but like four yeah. or five different ways. But yeah, know, each different it, it points would, of view. Yeah. I, I like seeing how different people interpret the same story, um, you know, with modern storytelling. I think um, Brad Meltzer, I think, wrote one of them as well. He did. I, I think that was the reason why I bought the book because I'm such a big Brad Meltzer fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I enjoyed that book a great deal. Mm-hmm. I think that was a great way to to, uh, to do that, to have a common theme uh, in that that sort of jam piece. Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, being a little bit adjacent, I think there there are some terrific old Batman books uh, told visually. You know that the artwork is just terrific, but the writing has not aged well. And yeah, I know, that, especially I, dialogue. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I I know that there is, you know, people don't want to you know adjust the the previous piece of art, but I really think that there is a place to take these old you know nineteen fifties, sixties, seventies, even eighties era books and rewrite them. Take that artwork and use it because the artwork's fantastic. The the artwork and a lot of these pieces is timeless. Mm-hmm. And rewrite those word balloons. That would be you interesting. Know? You know, I, mean, I, I think it would be an interesting idea. Um, yeah. you know, I wonder how fe- people would feel about it. But uh, I, I would be interested in seeing something like 
it like that, you know, reword them with modern sensibilities. And I think one thing we're going to talk about here in a little bit is um, a lot of those classic writers were in the, and we talked about this when we talked about superpowers, were in the tell, don't show um, right. Writing, right. writing school. And, uh, you know, nowadays with, with some writing, I th- with different writing, there's a, a lot more subtlety uh, to things. And I, I, I'm, yeah, I think that would be an interesting, uh, interesting angle to take for an anniversary. From edition. An, yeah. From an art standpoint, I really wish they had the original pencils and inks on some of these Yeah, mm-hmm. because I would love to see them recolored or, or at least just with original. modern, modern coloring. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least just the original inks, because like, I don't know, uh, there, there was a recent, uh, sale on DC digital, uh, on comiXology last week. And some of the older books, I was buying some old Superboy uh, issues, like original run volume one Superboy stuff. And they don't have even access to a good, clean copy of the colors. And so there'll be this little blurb at the bottom of the of the description saying some of these pages are in, are, uh, in black and white because they didn't they couldn't they did not have a good print to work from so all they had had to go with was the inks and in that situation i mean i'm fine with that let's go recolor that you know let's i i think wherever we have that opportunity we should really be exploring the archives at both marvel and dc and see what's out there that you can you know maybe repackage because the writing in in most of these uh situations is what's holding it back from finding a new audience yeah agreed you know, it's kind of like running your your Star Trek, you know, the original series without having done an HD upgrade to it. Mm-hmm. You know, no one wants to look at, you know, this this scratchy copy on their, you know, 4K screen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you you got you got to you got to fix it. And I and I think I am really not trying to discard the original writer, but I do think that you know, you there is a reclamation that can occur there with the uh, with the artwork. Especially since a lot of those stories, you you know, you'd be surprised looking back uh, those classic stories, despite it being referred to as the Marvel style of writing or right. the Marvel way. A lot yeah. of those books were outlines that were handed to an artist, right? And then the word balloons were filled in later. So yeah. you know, I, I would be interested in uh, in seeing how if seeing those word balloons reinterpreted for a modern audience. Well, and is there an opportunity to reduce some of those word balloons? Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, is there artwork behind it? Do they have those, you know, those I, original I pages it. scanned? I doubt it, too. I think what they've got is yeah. the print copy. But, you know, where you can, is there a way to rehabilitate those pages? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'd be really curious to see that. Yeah, because there's a couple of reasons those books look so dated. And one of the reasons is the coloring limitations they had at the time. Right. That they don't have anymore. You know, yeah, the artwork itself, I don't think would look dated if it wasn't in for a lot, the coloring. In a lot of circumstances, I yeah, mean, you, sometimes you, it will. Yeah, you've got some hack artists, and mm-hmm. I hate to, I hate to use that word, but you know, there were some artists who, you know, this was just the job they were doing. It wasn't a calling. It wasn't their passion. Uh, but you know, you've got some some great pieces of of artwork out there that really, you know, I think would like. Uh, Sadly, a lot of Jack Kirby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I was thinking Kirby, Ditko. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Well, one but, final oh, thing I'll say about oh, the Joker ahead. War before we move into the news, just yes. because it's coming up. Uh, it's got art by Jorge Jimenez, you know, who was the 
Jorge Jorge Jimenez, who did the excellent art on Justice League um, that we're going to talk about here in a little bit, um, as well as features the return of Dick Grayson. Um, As I say, that is the one thing I'm interested in about Joker Wars is Dick Grayson's coming back, and it seems to be Joker's related to it. Yeah. You know, getting rid of the, this whole Rick Grayson nonsense that, that God, popped that up for stupid. a few years. Yeah. God, that's stupid. I mean, there, I love Dick Grayson. I love that character. Love Nightwing. Love love his version of Robin. I, I could not be less interested in a Rick Grayson character. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned the news, and we totally got off track. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's good. Um, well, I, I, can I say one thing about the news? No, I don't understand uh, spoilers. <laughs> Why are they telling me so so early that uh, Deadshot's going to die? I do wonder that. You know, I think that's. Uh, I think because of the speculator market, I guess, trying to get some attention. I think DC may need some uh, some positive attention right now. Um, yeah, so I think that's part of it. it well, it, I just. I mean, it's that book comes out in August, right? Yeah, and you well, know, September. I. I uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think it is September. I love Floyd Lawton. I really do. I, I Deadshot is uh, one of my favorite Suicide Squad characters. I love him in, when he has made appearances in, uh, oh God, um, Six. This, what is that called? Uh, Secret Six. Secret Six, yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I love him in Secret Six. Uh, I, when Gail Simone's writing him, I think he is pitch perfect. I, I just really love that character. I love all the live action versions of it I've seen. I can't think of one I didn't like. Uh, I I just I'm I'm it bugs me that that seems to be a pretty pretty big plot point, and they've just they 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 shared that you know almost three months before uh, before the book comes out. I don't when get stuff that. like that happens, I generally feel like it's because it's not real. You know, yeah. like, like I know they're advertising it as the death of Floyd Lawton, and they're like, no, it's real. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> is it? Is it, though? Yeah. You know. Either that or they know people aren't buying Suicide Squad. Well, fair. But it is written by Tom Taylor. I've issue. been meaning to buy it. I just haven't. Maybe yeah. if they have a sale, I'll get caught up because, I, you know, we, we are fans of Tom Taylor on this podcast. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I just, I, that bugged me. It bugged me a lot to, to read that. Yeah. Uh, and that I didn't get to to get surprised by that in the comic. Yeah. Well, I think this will maybe inspire you to buy the comic, and that's the point. Um, it, well, it got I, I someone like it, talking Paul. about Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it, Paul. <laughs> well, uh, you know, sticking with the DC news, um, the word on the street is that DC will be announcing very shortly. Uh, and I haven't seen it officially announced, but there's a date and everything that on August 22nd, DC will be having the DC Fan Dome, which is a um, essentially a DC virtual convention uh, that will have news and panels from television, uh, video games, movies. Uh, the current rumor is that they may announce the new Batman Arkham game at this event. Uh, they'll feature some folks from... Um, you know, all the television shows, a panel on Wonder Woman, which has just recently been delayed until October, uh, you know, just a, a bunch of stuff uh, potentially coming to, to talk about and announce, uh, including some DC Universe shows like Doom Patrol, Titans and Stargirl. It's pretty exciting. I, you know, these uh, virtual conventions, uh, I like the idea of I am sad to say I have not participated in any. In fact, there were there were panels this weekend uh, for Star Trek. Um 
But the good news is, is that you don't have to watch them when they're live because yeah. they're recording them. And that's what I really like is I get to watch it when I want to watch it. Yep. Yeah, I haven't done any of them yet, but they've been really interesting and I've thought about them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, uh, you know, the problem is, is that they run them at times where I'm like doing something else. And, yeah. uh, you know, none of it has been appointment uh, viewing or participation for me. Though, you know, I think when we get closer to larger announcements, they will, you know, that you'll, you'll want to see it immediately. But I, anyway, I, I'm, I'm, I like this notion. I hope that it continues, you know, post-coronavirus, uh, this sort of direct communication and, you know, uh, convention-like atmosphere in terms of the virtual viewing. Yeah, well, and, you know, we've got San Diego Comic Con, which announced that they will have a free virtual event during the original dates as well. So that yeah, that, you know, that price point's great. Yeah, free ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I'm down for that. Yeah, I, I am too. You know, I, I I am, and what what makes me happy about that is that a lot of those San Diego Comic Con exclusives. I think we talked about this last week. Um, will be available online. Some of them already are, and. Uh, you know, so I'm 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 looking forward to to checking out some of that stuff and, and getting my hands on things that I may not have been able to get my hands on otherwise. Yeah, I'm curious where some of the vendors are going to, you know, do some of that because there's always exclusive action figures. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So the big topic that we wanted to talk about this week was revisiting the Dark Knight's Metal from 2017. And so going into this, I want to kind of ask a couple of questions of of you guys. Let me clarify what I read. Because I read the Dark Days prequel books, Dark Days the Forge and Dark Days the Casting. I read Dark Knight's Metal 1 through 6, as well as a couple of the tie-ins. I did read Batman Lost, Hawkman Found. Um, I didn't read any of the, uh, you know, the bat, the, the, the tie-ins that had the, the backstories of the evil Batman. Um, but but I also read uh, Dark Knight's Rising Wild Hunt because when I went to Dark Knight's Metal in my Comicsology app, it had all of those books listed together. Like mm-hmm. these are the this is the essential reading, um, and it actually still missed one key title that I'm going to talk about here in a little bit. Uh, but so I, I read those, which I feel like had I not, I probably would have missed some stuff. So what yeah. you so, what did you read in you know for Metal? I say I read it through. Uh, DC Universe's app, and it's kind of the same as it has everything in there, mm-hmm. but I skipped some things I just did not care about, like Hawkman Found, and uh, some of those extra tie-ins, just completely skipped them. So pretty much I read the main core book and one or two of the tie-ins, but not many of them. Gotcha. I read no tie-ins. I read these, uh, I read Dark Knight's Metal issues one through six. Okay. All right. So well, that's good though, because that gives us kind of a, a different viewpoint of it. Because you know, looking at it, I for, I had forgotten that Dark Days, The Forge, and the casting were a thing, um, that led into Metal. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm very curious because one of the things that Scott Snyder is saying about Death Metal is that you can hop into issue one, not having read everything <laughs> that led up to this. Yeah, I read the forge and the casting. Okay. What I find interesting um, in the comicsology experience is the issues that they make available through Comicsology Unlimited. Like Metal One through Six are not in Unlimited, but you've got, you know, uh, Batman: The Red Death. You've got uh, uh, 
Batman the Murder Machine, and these are all Dark Knight's metal books. Batman the Dawnbreaker, uh, Batman the Drowned. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you've all got the, all the all, you know all the the evil Batman books. Uh huh. Yeah, but um, you don't have the metal books, the the, the the core metal books. Yeah, they want you to buy those. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> leading into Dark Knight's Metal, um, and there's just kind of a, a little bit of a history. You know, Dark Knight's Metal is very much the culmination of everything that Scott Snyder was doing on his Batman title at the time. Um, you know, it ties into things that occurred all the way back to the start of the New 52 with the Court of Owls storyline. It touches on when Batman and Joker... Um, basically beat each other to death and were reborn um you know under the streets of gotham city and when jim gordon took over the batman role for a little while and then when batman used a machine to get his memory back all of that is referenced and leads up to what's happening in dark knight's metal um so you know it, it very much is this like if you have read scott snyder's i don't feel like you need to read anything outside of the scott snyder batman books um, it also even touches on his work from All-Star Batman. Uh, mm -hmm. But I feel like if you just read the Scott Snyder Batman run from New 52, I say just, it's a shit ton of books. But <laughs> that 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 it is definitely Scott Snyder's snore, Scott Snyder's story. Like you don't, I don't feel like the, the entire DC universe was building up to metal. I feel like it was just Scott Snyder's run. But it does touch on things that occur prior to the New 52 and Flashpoint. Mm -hmm. um, it does reference Final Crisis. It does. Um, oh, yeah, it, good point. It, I had forgotten about yeah. that. Yeah, and it, I mean, it even uh, references prior crises, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Infinite Crisis as well as Crisis on the Infinite Earths. Um, so you make a good I, point I, 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 about Final Crisis because I don't want to lose that point real quick. Yeah. I, I should have, I, I, I'm glad you said that because <laughs> Final Crisis, then the return of Bruce Wayne, and then Scott yes. Snyder's run. This is very much the sequel to Final Crisis. Yeah, and, and very much uh, the return of Bruce Wayne, you know, yeah. where where uh, Bruce Wayne is, Batman, out of time! It's a sequel to a bunch of books I hated. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, agreed. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I was trying to remember what I thought of Metal, when I first read it, my first time around. And I don't recall enjoying it over much. Um, Rereading it allowed me to plumb some elements of the book that I think really work. Um, and, you know, the, I, I think one of the things that I, I, I enjoyed so much, particularly about issue one, is the League working together. And the league talking to each other um, and solving problems. I, I really enjoyed that, particularly about the first issue and in the last issue. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I do think that there are things in here that are are really interesting. Um, and we'll get more into you know where I think the the book breaks down for me. But I did find that on my second reading of it, I enjoyed it more than I did the first time. And I think a lot of that's got to do with the fact that I've got the entire story. Yeah, I can't imagine reading this month over month. Oh, I did, and it was terrible. <laughs> it was rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is one of those books where there is so much going on at all given points that is not, it's not a light book. So if you're having to remember month to month what happened in the previous issue, I think that would be really rough. Well, yeah. and 
I didn't. I read this after, like I said, I got DC Universe online, so I had the whole series all together, and that I think that helps a lot. Well, and one thing you know, referencing what we talked about earlier, right? That if your story is evergreen, then people will forget the delays. This right. book had two skip months. It's only a six issue miniseries, but right. after issue two, we had a skip month for all the dark the the bat, dark Batman books to come out, and then later on, we had another skip month. Um, for Batman Lost and Hawkman Found, as well as you know, to, to catch up on delays because the book is so weighty, um, and it, it it did take there were delays in the release of this book throughout the time, so it's not like it was just six months in a row. It was actually probably closer to about nine months. Um, so from the story to beginning to end. So let's talk about one of those reasons for the delay was to allow breathing room for all the tie-in books, and this series commits a cardinal sin. As far as I'm concerned, uh, it has very important story items that are key to the understanding of what in the world is going on occur outside the core books. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, like <laughs> if there there are certain books, there are certain books you could you could read or not read. No big deal. And a lot of those are the are the you know e uh, different versions of the evil Batman books. Hmm. But there are certain books that you have got to read for this story to make any kind of sense. And that really should have been within the core book. And th that is, that is so clear to me in just reading issues one through six, particularly when they're referring back to, Oh yeah, by the way, go back and read, you know, DC dark Knights metal, the forge or the casting and other books. And I'm like, man, that really should have been in your main, in your main thread. And I know they've collected it since, and they've included those stories, but it should have been under the main uh, the main trade dress because there are some big holes in this story. Yeah, agreed. So, you know, if, if you are trying to reread it, I would actually recommend reading those dark those Batman uh, tie-ins because despite the fact that some of them are just backstory, there are a couple, like the Devastator and the Murder Machine, that actually take place in modern times. You hear you hear reference to the weaponized Alfreds and how Lois and Jimmy fell to the Devastator and things like that. Like all that happens in those tie-in books. Um, there's a Gotham Resistance book that is pretty heavily referenced towards the end about, uh, you know, or I guess in the middle of the series where they're like, Nightwing, you look like hell, and, and, but it's only been a week. And, he, you know, he kind of says, this is what happened in Gotham over this week. That happens in the Gotham Resistance book. And then the Wild Hunt, which is the which comes out right before Metal Six, very much ties into the whole thing that the, the kind of something very important, um, which is uh, Detective Chimp traveling through the multiverse, because that kind of pops up in issue six. You see Detective Chimp, Flash, Cyborg, and Raven on uh, uh, the Thule, and yeah. that's, that's a big part of issue six. That shit does not happen anywhere in Dark Knight's Metal 1 through 5. It is entirely in the Wild Hunt book um, that leads into detect that leads into issue 6. So it yeah. is very much, um, you know, in, in, in comparison to books like Cosmic Odyssey or Infinity Gauntlet, you know, these iconic crossovers of years past that, that we still love and live with, uh, mm -hmm. you know, today. I shouldn't even call them crossovers. Event books, uh -huh. um, you know, that, that, that are evergreen. It's because you can pick up Cosmic Odyssey or Infinity Gauntlet and read issue one through six without, or one through four for Cosmic Odyssey and not have to feel like, shit, I should have read 12 other books because I don't understand what's going on. And Metal right. suffers from that. 
yeah. as someone who didn't read any of the those tie-ins, none of the evil Batmans have any personality or any. There's nothing to care about any of them except for the Batman who laughs. Yep, he's the only one that gets any real screen time or depth of character. All the rest of them are just bland and flat, and there's nothing to them in this series. Which is yeah, funny and- because in retrospect, I you know I read all those Batman tie-in books, so I knew about those characters. So, but you know, having skipped over those books this time, I'm like, oh. It's really just the Batman who laughs, and these other guys are just kind of cool background characters, right? Well, it's like when uh, all the all of the Elseworld Batman show up with Detective Chimp, you know, and you've got that oh, that, yeah. that mm-hmm. nice nice little you know splash page of you know Dark Knight Returns Batman, and you've got Vampire Batman, and you, know, you got all these you know the the uh, Red Sun Batman. I mean, you got all these great Batmans, but that's it. That is the only time you see them in the book. Um, it is frustrating on how much is not included within the you know six issue main series. Um, I, I, I think it's a mistake. I think they would have been better off making this a nine issue series and including some of those stories under the banner of the series. Agreed. Um, in issue one, and I remember when we talked about this the first time, uh, it was clear to me that the intent was to create a new line of action figures, particularly with, you know, the big, uh, you know, transformers, uh, uh, you know, like mech that the, uh, that the justice league form, yeah. you know, they, you know, they, they form a giant robot and, you know, so I went and I'm like, did they make these action figures? And I think the no. only action figures they've made is, uh, is, uh, the Batman who laughs. Yeah. And I'm just stunned by that. I mean, I would think that, you know, that this would be a huge opportunity to do something because it sure did seem like someone wanted to make toys here. Maybe that was just Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo and nobody else was interested. But it, it really surprised me that that didn't occur. I am too. And I think part of it is just, you know, the the tail end on doing this series, do you know, the, the art is much shorter than creating an action figure. And, you know, perhaps it was just one of those things that it's like by the time we could get an action figure out, the series would be way done and no one will give a crap. Um, yeah, because that panel where they're all gathered early on and they're in like metal armor and things uh-huh. that screams to me, you know, each one of these being a figure with a piece that you combine together to make the right the Megazord version of the Justice League. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. I, I, gotta be, I loved the the armor at the beginning. I think Gray Capullo. I mean, not every panel is a masterpiece. Obviously, you know there there are definitely panels where you can tell he was pressed for time. I genuinely like the art on on Dark Knight's Metal. Um, yeah, I don't like all the armor, but I think the Superman and Wonder Woman particularly look really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could tell he's having a blast on this book. You have because a lot of these designs, it's not like Scott Snyder said, you know, like put in detail everything he wanted Drake Greg Capullo to draw. But you have Joker dragons. I mean, they definitely leaned into the heavy metal cover art aspect of the book as you get further right. and further into the story. Absolutely, uh, you know, and there's so much there's so much promised in issue one that isn't paid off elsewhere that doesn't deliver. Mm-hmm. You know, because like for instance, the Challengers of the Unknown, right? 
you've got this you know great mystery set up with uh, the the surviving challengers plus red tornado uh, you know kind of being in stasis and it promises kind of like we're gonna have this great new experience with challengers of the unknown and then we've got that book that really kind of failed to launch yeah. same with immortal immortal men looked cool as hell and failed to launch yeah and it's funny because you know so the, the, the coming out of this one of the things that came out of this and there were a number of things that we're going to talk about here in a minute um the new age of dc heroes you know out, coming out of metal they used metal to basically even though they had very little to do with the story <laughs> um other than the immortal men and new challengers none of these other things had anything to do with the story but they use it as a launching pad of this dark multiverse to create this new age of dc heroes which was dc uh, kind of taking superstar artists this was where dc said you know what we're going to put the artist's name first on the book because we're going to get these superstar artists like tony daniel jim lee john remeter um, andy kubert ivan rice and their names are going to be first and then the writer's names are going to be second and the problem with superstar artists is none of them can make a deadline to save their lives. Right. Um, so all of these books, other than the Terrifics, fa- like failed on the volume. Um, you know, the Terrifics is still going, um, and I keep wanting to revisit it, uh, but it, it started <laughs> off kind of rough. But Damage, Immortal Men, Silencer, Curse of Brimstone, Sideways, New Challengers, The Unexpected. I don't even remember The Unexpected coming out. And the Terrifics. Uh, other than the terrifics, all of those I don't feel made it past six issues, if that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't think any of those made it past the first issue for us. Yeah, other <laughs> than right. terrific. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. I did. And you know, I'm somebody who really wants to love a Challengers of the Unknown book. Yeah. But wow, it was bad. It was. Yeah. But and I love Red Tornado. I mean, Red Tornado is my guy, and uh, I, I <laughs> boy, whew, some bad bad books. So, you know, when it comes to Dark Knight's Metal, um, I will say, and I feel like I'm going to be alone in this feeling, I actually enjoyed it more reading it the second time than I did the first. Oh, I, I yeah, I agree. I, I, I found more things to like about it uh, in the second reading than I did in the first reading. I think I've only I'm... read it once, so I can't compare. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like, you know, knowing what the story is, knowing what came before, you know, looking at it as a, in the context of its time, rather than, you know, reading it with delays and stuff like that. Because I, I, I remember when we got to issue five and six, the first time it came out, I'm like, I feel like this book is incoherent. And don't get me wrong, issue six is still a bit of a clusterfuck. Yes, it is. But reading it now knowing more about the whole of the dc universe and where the story led i actually enjoyed it more um than i did the first time yeah i found reading through it the first issue i enjoyed a lot more than i expected the end kind of wraps things up and there's a whole lot in the middle that was just a cluster for me yeah it's there is definitely um you know, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast. There is definitely, well, Aaron, you said these books are dense, and I totally agree with that. Not only are they dense, are they dense? Um, that that that's an aspect of so much happens in the book, as well as Scott Snyder fills every page with a lot of text. Well, and it's it's you get that overlay of the journals from Carter Hall, yeah, right, and it's like the books trying to be two or three different things. 
And because Scott Snyder can't make up his mind how he wants to tell the story, he's overlaying these different storytelling techniques, which on the one hand, you're going, well, that's a really interesting creative device. On the other hand, it's like, God damn it, pick one. Well, <laughs> you and know, I'll also say as someone who didn't read the books leading up to this and didn't read any of the tie-ins other than, uh, was it The Forge and casting? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that happened that didn't feel earned. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, the I felt like there wasn't enough in the it, within the bookends of the main the main series. There wasn't enough given to you about Carter Hall, you know, other than those journal entries. You know, like you didn't get to see Carter Hall. You just got to hear his voice. And I felt like I needed more time with him, the person, not him, the writing, uh, to really feel the pain of what happens, you know, down in uh, the Forge world or you know, down where we find the big hawk monster thing. Um, I, I, it, it, that just kind of just seemed, yes, you understood why he was there, but you just didn't feel within the confines of these pages, you just didn't feel it. And because Hawkman is such a murky character to begin with, um, you know, just outside of these pages, I really feel like I needed to know who this iteration of Carter Hall was before. I think there's some great entries in the journal, but you never see the, you rarely see the journal illustrated. It is Carter Hall's voice over the current action going on. So, you know, you're, you're seeing Batman fighting a guy and you've got this journal entry from Carter Hall. I, I found that when it came to the connection again between Kendra and Carter, it didn't have the emotional weight that they had hoped for. Despite all the metal around, it wasn't heavy enough. Yeah. One of the things that they do in this book, they do the uh, juxtaposition of what they normally do of Superman is the one that's hopeless. And Batman is the one that has all of the hope, right? That can be a really interesting story. It didn't feel earned here. Right. I didn't see any reason why Batman would be hopeful with it, anything he's seen. And I don't see any reason why Superman is the hopeless one. You know, that could be a really fascinating story to explore, but it didn't feel like it earned it here. Well, and it seemed like when Batman was, you know, uh, experiencing hope and wonder, I kept looking for an image of some of the crazier things out of the Batman books, you know, the multicolored Batman suits, the, you know, some of the crazy stuff that we saw in the sixties and seventies in the Batman books, I think would have been appropriate to see here. Uh, But you just had Batman talking about being hopeful. And and I'm like, again, you know, it was telling, not showing. And I I really wanted to see that. I wanted to see an an explosion of the rainbow colored Batman suits, for instance. Uh, You know, just some of those goofier things that come out of the Batman books. The Batusi. The Batusi. Yeah, I mean, I just would have been nice to see those versus all the grim and gritty and horrific Batman stuff that we that we see through the book because, you know, of the darkness in you know, the gathering darkness in this story. Um, I I struggled with a lot, uh, particularly in the middle part of this book. Um Things that I just don't care about. One of the things that I found I found so frustrating, and I remember commenting on this the first time we talked about it, uh, all of the, you know, let's go ahead and chase this MacGuffin. There's a lot of chasing the MacGuffin and, the, and, and a whole lot of, 
we chased the wrong MacGuffin. The MacGuffin's not where it is. The MacGuffin's not what we thought it was going to be. And oh shit, it's a trap. Um, I think there is a really effective piece that Scott Snyder does in painting the hopelessness uh, of some of the characters. Like, you know, oh man, we are so fucked. Uh, but I, it's a whole lot of just chasing a thing, chasing a device. We have to put the device together. Um, that I found frustrating. The things that I think really worked for me were the character moments. There is a page, and I think it's in issue five, where uh, Kendra uh, has has been woken up from her hopelessness by Wonder Woman, and they're getting ready to jump through the portal to go down to the bottom depths where all the where all the other Justice League members are, and you know Kendra. You know, says we don't have a chance. We don't have you know, and she's she's falling back into oh oh fuck, we're screwed thinking, and it's just a panel. There's not a word on the panel, Paul. Not a word on the panel, and it's just Wonder Woman turning and looking at Kendra, like I got this, and I thought that may be the best panel in this entire series. And it's such a simple panel. And the reason why it works is Greg Capullo knows how to draw, knows how to tell a story visually. And Scott Snyder kept his text off the panel. Yeah. I do think that Greg Capullo is a strong storyteller. And I think, you know, with half of the wording that we got, Uh um, I feel like it actually would have been a stronger story, oddly enough, which is weird. Completely agree. Completely agree. I, 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 I think that there are things worthwhile in this book. I don't know that I'm going to read it a third time. No, I would agree. <laughs> I, that being said, this you know, is... I did enjoy it. I did enjoy the story, the the uh, plenty of aspects of it. I didn't enjoy remembering um, some of the stuff that led into it. And you know, I will say there are things that led into it that I enjoy more. Not, I enjoyed more. When they weren't leading into it, right? Like, and, and I say that by saying, um, like, the Court of Owls, I feel like wrapping the Court of Owls into the storyline and making them part of this larger Barbados thing was less impactful than them just being this secretive agent behind Gotham this whole time. And right? I'm like, so glad you, the impact. I'm so glad you mentioned Barbados. So, Barbados is the big bad in this book, yes. he is the guy who you know lives down in the dark universe and wants to bring instead of of him coming up to the light he's going to bring the light down to him he is the biggest baddest guy and i i thought he was just goofy i never felt threatened by him i never felt his he he just seemed like a clown you know, he seemed like an idea of a bad guy rather than actually being a bad guy. He did not strike me as dark side. I felt like the bad guy in the book was and should have been the Batman who laughs. Yeah, and I, I think felt that's like probably. Bar- I, I think I felt like I, I felt like Barbados was was redundant. Yeah, I agree. Why couldn't this have yeah. been the Batman who laughs plan? I, I don't understand that. I the whole time I'm like, why? Why do I care about Barbados? I mean, I know he was in. Uh, the return of Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. you know, he was, you know, when, when Batman's traveling through time, not, 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 not Batman out of time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I, uh, I understand that, but I mean, he just, I, I think I would have preferred Oh my God. Barbados is actually the guise of the Batman who laughs. That would have worked for me. You know, I, I just, 
I did not. See, I, I think the Batman who laughs is a much better drawn villain for this story mm-hmm. than Barbados. Barbados is just he's almost like an element. You know, yeah. he he's he's like he's he's an environment. He's he is a force of nature. Uh, I just really didn't feel threatened by him, but I certainly feel threatened by the Batman who laughs. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's the Galactus Cloud, right? Like, he's, yeah, exactly. He's just this exactly. ominous thing that doesn't really do anything other than say bad things, right? Exactly. Like, you know, all, all his minions well, really do everything, and he's gonna sing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's karaoke night down there in the dark matter universe, and uh, you know. <laughs> It's going to bring Earth down to the dark. Um, you can blame yeah, Morrison for that. <laughs> I, I feel like the reason why this book happens is that Scott Snyder was wildly impressed with Marv Wolfman's work on Crisis on the Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to write his own crisis. Um, I think, clearly, Marv Wolfman's Crisis on the Infinite Earths with George Perez has stood the test of time. I go back and reread it probably about once a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, there is so much to mine uh, from the from that uh, twelve issue maxi series uh, that is is really evergreen. As we said, um, I don't believe that Dark Knight's Metal possesses those same elements. Yeah, uh, you feel the stakes in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Absolutely. Earth. And I just did not feel the stakes of being yeah. having the world pulled into the uh you know into the darkness. It just yeah. it didn't feel the same. And it was one of those, you know, some of these stories are so esoteric uh-huh. that you just can't they just don't feel like feel real i guess you would put it same like final crisis which is like we said this is very much a sequel to final crisis it feels like it it was originally well i shouldn't say it was originally dc wanted to call this book dark crisis um and scott snyder fought against it he did not want crisis to be in the name of the book he wanted to call it metal um but dc definitely wanted to call it dark crisis and you know as 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 a sequel to final crisis which i feel doesn't really belong in the pantheon of crises um, because I, I love Infinite Crisis. I love Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Final Crisis kind of shit the bed, and this one, you know, I, I feel like this was a fun book. I Again, in retrospect, I enjoyed it more than I did the first time. Um, is it a crisis-level event? No. No, um, no Though I not. do, you know, one. so now we're going to talk, well, now I'm, I'm going to talk briefly about what came out of the book, right? In addition to the New Age of Heroes, which, which kind of died, um, you had, you know, this led into No Justice, which was a four-part series, um, kind of elaborating on the bad shit that happened because at the end of Dark Knight's Metal, the the Source Wall got broken, right? And so there are beings who have become aware of the DC universe that were not aware um, before the Source Wall was broken. Um, that, oh, there's this whole other universe here. And so, you know, you, you have these, these giant... As, as Aquaman describes it, our multiverse had been essentially contained in a fishbowl, mm-hmm. and now it's been dumped into the ocean. Exactly. Yeah. And so you have Which to... I think is a great way to describe that. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you had no justice, which led into what, you know, which led into the Justice League series from Scott Snyder. <laughs> Um, so it's just kind of this continuing thing. Scott Snyder doing his Jonathan Hickman thing. Um, and so, it, you know, what what has continued on from here is that the source wall was broken, uh, like cracked, 
now it is fully broken um and perpetua who is the mother of the anti-monitor the um i don't remember the, the, just the monitor i think over monitor anti-monitor and the world forger are brothers perpetua is their mother um and so she is kind of like the dark creator and so she has come through the source wall um you know and in the span of the justice league series the the injustice league was formed uh they started working for perpetua we had um apex lex luther um you know powered by perpetua you know the 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 coming out of dark knight uh metal the dark the batman who laughs has been here the whole time as well and so you you kind of have this ongoing thread uh of the justice doom war leading up to the justice doom war in justice league and you know let me let me uh tag on to that but before you go too much further uh you know we see vandal savage in his you know uh what do they call the the Injustice League headquarters that rises out of the swamp? So we see the 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 that in the pages of metal, which is going to carry forward yeah. into the Justice League books. Just like at the end of issue six, you see Batman's plans for the Hall of Justice, which will also feature heavily into the Justice League yep. books. And one of the problems I have with the Justice League books that followed, and it really some of the, the more recent Justice League stories, is that we're retelling some of the beats from Metal. Absolutely. For instance, Kendra, Hot Girl, has the same crisis of conscience, the same character issue, uh, you know, where she she is, you know, going dark, essentially, uh, in the pages of Justice League that she didn't meddle. And I'm like, why are we retelling these same story elements when we just had that over here? It's We're not learning anything as characters. And I know this is an act two business. <laughs> but it seems like when the same writer is telling the story, we would move the character forward. It's like Reed Richards in the Fantastic Four always forgetting to tell his family about the shenanigans he's up to. And it's like Batman always moving forward with one of his secret plans that endangers everybody without telling the Justice League. Mm -hmm. At some point, people get tired of that shit. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not talking about just me as the reader. I'm talking about the other characters. I don't understand that. Yeah, it's a cycle of, we don't trust Batman now, but yeah. now we trust Batman. Right. Oh, Batman did something again. We don't trust yeah. Batman now. And, you know, in the pages of Metal, Batman is never held accountable for the shit he pulls in issues one and two. No. And never held accountable for that. And I'm like, you know, Superman should pin his ass against the wall and say, hey, this shit can't happen anymore, Bruce. Stop I mean, it. because Bruce creates most of the problems in Dark Knight's Metal. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Fucking I mean, Batman. Just... <laughs> Bruce, every year with you. Yeah, um, what is your fucking problem? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the Justice League arc that came out of this, you know, uh, just wrapped up in January with... Um, it, the, the Justice League has lost the Justice Doom War and Perpetua has removed them from reality. Um, however, they've been saved, saved by the uh, om Omniscience, which is a group of, of other ethereal beings... Um, and they, they've been kind of sent to the other side of the universe to, to develop a plan to take on Perpetua, who has taken over, um, which led into Hell Arisen, which is the most recent kind of lead up to this, uh, 
and and really all that happened in Hell Arisen, which was uh, Le- Apex Lex versus the Joker who laughs, is that Apex Lex um, Perpetua betrayed him just like she betrayed everyone else. Uh, she has turned him back to normal Lex Luthor, and now Joke- the Joker who laughs is her second in command, which leads into Death Metal, which comes out this coming week. Well, I, so are we reading Death Metal? I'm reading I'm Death not. Metal. <laughs> I'll, I'll be in on the first issue with you, Paul. All right. Yeah, I would not read Metal again. I'm not jumping <laughs> on board for Death Metal. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll read the first issue and I'll see where we go from there. But uh, you know, it, it does remind me that there are some 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 books out there because I did enjoy some of the tie-ins when I read the the series the first time. Uh, I really enjoyed the Bryce Wayne storyline. Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, it makes me want to go back and and look at the ones that I hadn't that I'd never uh, read. And the good news is, is I don't have to buy them because they're they're under the Comicsology Unlimited banner. So uh, I'm going to take a look at a couple of those. All right. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. Other than uh, death not, death metal, what else is coming out next week? Well, actually, um, yeah, I, I just mentioned Hell Arisen. Uh, so the the collected edition of Hell Arisen for anyone who's interested in getting caught up. Um, you know, the, the collected edition for twelve ninety nine comes out next week, contains Hellarisen one through four and the DC Year of the Villain number one book. Um, so that comes out. Also from DC Comics, we have the new issue of Young Justice, continuing the story uh, of, of uncovering who Connor Kent is. This is the uh, crossover that's currently going on with Action Comics that we read last week. I'm really enjoying that storyline, both in Young Justice and in Action Comics. I, I, I'm assuming I'll pick it up because I liked action comics. So, yeah. um, also from DC Comics, there's a book that we haven't really talked about much on the podcast, but I am truly enjoying the final issue of Wonder Woman: Dead Earth. Uh, I have not out. read any of that. It is. I, I think Wayne, you read the first issue, didn't you? Um, the post-apocalyptic Wonder Woman yes, book. Yes, yes, I read the first issue, but it's the only one I've read. Yeah. The, the third mm. issue comes out next week. Uh, genuinely, genuinely enjoyed that. And it was ju- it's just a three-issue run? Mm-hmm. But they're not cheap. They're oversized uh, tr- prestige editions. Okay. I'll so, take a look at that. Yeah. Hey, I'll you know, uh, be- before, we, issue three. Okay. before we end the show, I do have a question for you. Uh-huh. I, I, I meant to ask you this while we were uh, in the metal conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, was the baby dark side story resolved in the Wonder Woman books? Where was that story Correct. resolved? Yes. Okay. Good point. And so that is one thing. The baby, you know, they they brought up baby dark side in the pages of Dark Knight's Metal. Only in the and, first and, issue. And, and by the way, I want a baby dark side plushie. <laughs> I love baby dark side. <laughs> um, and, and then completely like dismissed, like it never happened. Right. But it, it, do, it is do resolved. I kind of love baby dark side. So. Yeah. It is resolved in the pages of Wonder Woman. And I will say the story arc in Wonder Woman. I really, really enjoyed it. It not only contains baby Darkseid, but also contains the daughter of Darkseid. Um, I forget her name at this moment. Um, but, it, you know, it kind of, it, it is both a continuation of this Dark Knight's Metal stuff. Very little, other than the fact that baby Darkseid exists. But really more of a sequel to um, the Darkseid War, which is a book yeah. that I actually did enjoy. Yeah, uh, Darkseid War is a good book. Yeah, so I, I recommend checking that 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 arc out. I think it started uh, in Wonder Woman issue forty one. If you're trying to to look back on it, uh, but really, actually, it may have been a little earlier than that. It may have been uh, actually it was earlier than that. Sorry about that. Uh, I think somewhere around issue thirty six. But just check it out. It's worth it. Worth checking. Oh no, sorry, I'm going further back. Issue thirty one. <laughs> 
is when it started. Uh, is yeah. when that book first is when that series first uh, that arc first started in Wonder Woman, written by James Robinson. Um, it, it is really, really worth checking out. Um, and actually, there's there's one more book that I want to mention that comes out next week. Uh, you know, in addition to, to new issues of Superman, which hasn't come out in a few months, uh, you know, we're getting some of our stuff back on uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover. New issue comes out finally. Um, but uh, next week, finally, we get the second issue of Strange Adventures from Tom King with Mitch Jarrods and Evan Shaner. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to, to getting back into that story. Woohoo! Well, all good stuff that we're that we have to talk about next week. So pretty excited about that. All right. Well, you know, uh, let us know if you've reread reread Dark Knight's Metal or remember it differently than us. Uh, you <laughs> can hit us up on social media, IOM Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or you can hit us up on the IOM Geek Hotline. 972-763-5903. That number once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Hey, Paul. Hey, Wayne. Yes, sir. We'll do it all again next week. For death metal. Yes. That's my death metal. Bye, guys. <laughs>